0: I don't think, oh, it's on now. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to everybody who is watching and listening online, and welcome to you folks that came out tonight. Thank you. Thanks for your support. This is probably, I think, the fifth or sixth time I've been up here since last year. Um, What a privilege and a blessing for sure. Um, Before we get started in Genesis 7, um, as Aubrey prayed, it's um, interesting that I already had picked Second Corinthians chapter 5 just to start out and talk about um, for a bit to kind of set us up to understand that we have a position, thanks to Jesus, and we have a good position with God our Father. So if you could turn there for just a minute... Um, 2nd Corinthians chapter 5. And we'll go to verse 17. So it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that was Paul to the Corinthians. And isn't that awesome that in Christ we are like God's favored ones, and he looks upon us, as if we're pure and holy and clean. And we'll get into that um, picture of how um, the Lord covers us here uh, as we get into Genesis 7. Um, the picture of Noah going into the ark, I think you'll you'll see um, once we get into it that this is, can be um, a picture of how God covers us and protects us and he even warns us of things too so um as we've talked about before uh, when i've been up here i there are a couple themes or three like main points that um, as we read the bible we should keep in the back of our mind Um, god's plan is simple God's plan is clear, and God's plan is different, meaning his plan is holy and pure, which is different than what we sometimes experience in society and the world today. The world throws us a lot every day, and um, we're faced with a lot of choices and decisions. And um, in this uh, chapter 7 of Genesis, we'll see how Noah um, was given an invitation, how he was um, in a position to make a decision, and uh, as a result of the decision, there were consequences. And in his case, and for us, thankfully, he made good de- a good decision, and here we are. So let's. Um, I think to to step back a minute, since it's been a little while since I've been up here, maybe we should go to Genesis 6 and kind of just step back a minute to kind of set things up. So if you wouldn't mind, maybe go to Genesis 6 with me, and we'll start in verse 8. So it says, oh, and the subtitle of um, chapter six in this um, section says the wickedness and the judgment of man, which is a subtitle in my Bible. So for verse eight, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then verse nine, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And verse 13, and God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Its width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But, don't you love that? But, so, God tells Noah, I will establish my covenant with you, And you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives, with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive, and you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Verse 22. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. So this um, section here, is pretty cool because, again, in God's perfect way and perfect order, he gives instructions to Noah as to how to build. And we're not really told whether or not Noah was a true carpenter per se, but you have to understand or we have to believe that in some fashion, Noah was skilled and he was given skills to be able to do this and to be able to fulfill Um, the plan that God had. And if you look at this, the ark was huge. Uh, 300 cubits is roughly 450 feet. That was the length. And then the width, 50 cubits, which is roughly 75 feet. And the height, 30 cubits, cubits, which is roughly 45 feet. That's incredible. That's like bigger than a football field. (laughs) And and when you think of it, last time we were talking about this, it didn't necessarily have to hold all adult animals. Um, it could have only had like an adult pair and then it could have uh, hold or held many juveniles, smaller versions of the animals. So it's kind of neat how um, in God's perfect way he designed this to be able to hold the certain kinds of every living thing. And in his sovereign way, he tells Noah that he's going to establish a covenant. So he makes a promise with Noah um, that essentially he's going to protect him, he's going to keep him in this um, ark. He's kind of giving him a warning And we'll see as we go through this, he repeats himself. And as we attend church here and we listen to messages, um, we should be paying attention to when things seem to be sounding similar, because they do. God had many of the writers of the Bible, of the um, books in the Bible, um, focus on similar themes at times. And it's those times that we should really try to pay attention because God is trying to get, us, uh, get our attention, and he is doing that even right now. Um, he's calling us, and those of us that are here and listening, he is calling us. Um, the spirit within us is, is uh, drawing us to learn more about the Lord and to learn more about his ways. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. So it's really great to see you guys here um and when he tells noah that two of every kind will come to you and he says to keep them alive um that seems to refer in some ways to noah being a shepherd like jesus is our shepherd um noah would be the caretaker of every living thing on that boat him and his family, and um, God was entrusting, like, the future plan to repopulate the whole world with mankind and animal kind to Noah and his family, and it doesn't say here that Noah was nervous or freaking out or, like, just incredibly concerned, but um I know I would have been, <laughs> but as we'll read in faith, Noah walked through all of this, and he had faith in God, and God saw that faith and um, as we get into chapter seven we'll we'll see that. so let's read ahead into chapter seven. So chapter seven is subtitled "The Great Flood." so verse one, then the Lord said to Noah. Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven of each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So verse seven. Noah with his sons, his wife, and his son's wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two, they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So verse 13. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind All cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, of all flesh in which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Verse 17 now the flood was on the earth forty days the waters increased and lifted up the ark and it rose high above the earth the waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered the waters prevailed 15 cubits upward and the mountains were covered and All flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive, and the waters prevailed on the earth one hundred and fifty days so a couple points from um, this chapter in verse one the Lord, God, says to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. So there's a couple things here. Obviously, God is speaking to Noah. (laughs) So Noah heard God in an audible voice, which is awesome. Um, By the Spirit, we can hear the Lord. And I know some people have indicated that they have heard the lord i'm positive he does speak to us and he speaks to us in many different ways i'll admit i don't think that i've audibly heard the word or the voice of the lord i hope to and i'm positive he will speak to me in an audible voice if not here when i get there to see him in heaven and so that's a hope that we have and in faith noah had an invitation and a a decision to make here, and in faith he made the decision to go into the ark. Um, and God being sovereign, he has every right to look upon each one of us and examine us and see how we are doing and see what we are doing and to see who we're idolizing in this life that we have. Are we praising him, such as the worship songs we sang today um, indicated? Are we giving him glory? Are we giving him honor? That must have been visible to God that Noah, out of everybody that was there, he, among, or most of all, was um, exhibiting some sort of honor and reverence for God when when he was living um and as we read in verse 4 the Lord God says I will cause it to rain I will destroy from the face of the earth that all the things that I have made so again he has every right to do what he decides to do um in order to fulfill his plan and in this instance Uh, The overarching plan was to make a way for Jesus in the future generations to come. So in some fashion, the Lord saw that, um, let's say, a cleansing of the earth was required in order to make that happen. And we see in verse, uh, let's see, Okay, so Noah had the invitation and so did his family. So in verse 14, um, it says that they and everything went into the ark, verse 14 and 15. And um, it talks about obedience it says, they went in as God had commanded and the Lord shut them in. So in obedience, they went. Um, it's probably, you know, so that, that's something we deal with every day, right? Um, so in this present time, just like Noah, we're all faced with decisions, choices. We take actions. And there are consequences for us, for our actions, right? Um, so I don't want to reveal that I watch TV, but I do. Um So I see commercials of, like, these great double cheeseburgers with bacon and onions and lettuce and tomato, and they're just calling to me. I don't know about you guys, but it's like... That's advertising and it's designed to prompt us to make a decision. In a way, it's an invitation. And we look at that and we go, okay, I can make a decision to get in my car and run right down to the restaurant and buy that and eat it, but what are the consequences going to be, right? I mean, first of all, was I even hungry? Sometimes those commercials, they like, play with your head and they make you do things that maybe aren't wise, right? Um, our, they play on our senses and it's God given. We have senses, touch, taste, smell, um, hearing, sight, all because of God. But it, it, we have a decision to make um, whether or not those senses are actually leading us in the proper direction or not, and it's the spirit when we walk in the spirit, he avails himself to us and allows um, his wisdom and his understanding to help us make decisions at times um, when when we make ourselves available to uh, his promptings. And that was one of the points I wanted to make. Um, there's a couple other examples here. Hopefully you get a kick out of these. Um, So let's say, okay, I live by myself at home. I'll admit my housekeeping skills probably are not the best. But let's say I did nothing at all, and I just let things set, dishes, laundry, um, the cleaning, eventually I probably wouldn't be able to move around my house. And there in itself I've made decisions not to do some things that would be good for me to do and maybe it's procrastination, maybe I'm busy, whatever. But I think um, what I, the point I'm trying to make here is is the choice that I've made in not Doing something is the same choice that I make, or I don't make, to spend time with the Lord. So, is is there value in, you know, domestic chores, cooking, cleaning, housework, um, taking care of the yard? Sure, there's value in that, and God gives us some of us properties or our own places to take care of. Some of us rent, some of us own, it doesn't matter. He gives us a little space to kind of take care of. But the question is, are we letting him into our space? And that's what Noah did. Noah let God into his space. And apparently he relied on God for his direction. And I struggle with that every day. Do I let God guide me in every single decision I make? And I'll be honest, I think we're given so many many inputs every day. How in the world can we keep track of some of them, let alone allow ourselves to be quiet and sit before the Lord and just let him guide every single decision? It's by the Spirit. And we have to allow the Spirit to settle our hearts and... Um, Give us wisdom to settle and just sit. And I feel like, and maybe you guys do too, that uh, the pace of the world is just, it's in some ways just so much, and it's so difficult sometimes. And it's almost like it's set up for us to fail. It's not, but... We know that there's a ruler of this world and it's the enemy of our souls. It's Satan versus God. And there's a spiritual battle every day that we're faced with. And unless we're willing to recognize it and accept it um, and allow God to help us weave through it, we'll go crazy. (laughs) Um, And another example, finances um so god gives us jobs he gives us the ability to make money to take care of ourselves to buy food clothing maybe have a car and shelter but imagine if we were left to our own devices and some of us are i mean i'm guilty of it i at times have overspent um gone into debt and I'm not so sure that's what God wants because when that happens, what I've noticed for myself is I get nervous, it, t- it steals my joy, it steals my peace, and the consequences of that, uh, I have to pay back the things that I bought, especially if I put them on credit. And then what does that perhaps make me do? Want to work harder, try to make more money, spend more time at work, spend less time in the word, less time fellowshipping with people, my friends, my brothers and sisters here? It's not good for us. Um, And not to mention, if you buy all these things and you may have your own property or your own garage, you might wind up just throwing them in the garage and never touching them. And that's happened to me with a few things. It's like, why did I even buy that? Uh, But should we expect different results by doing the same things? That's kind of the point that I wanted to get to here is we have so many challenges and yet a lot of us might think that we can handle them on our own, which might be the ingrained way to do things we've been taught, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and handle it. But no, that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to turn to him. He wants us to put things at his feet to allow him to guide us in our decisions. And it's interesting. um, Albert Einstein, I, don't know for sure i couldn't confirm if he was actually a confirmed believer or not but um, i think pastor kevin might have said this once in one of his messages he gave the same quote from albert einstein insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results now i also found another quote by albert einstein um that was actually in a written letter to one of his friends where he says, God does not throw dice, which in this letter was his response to a notion that was being propagated in his day, that the natural world worked on random principles rather than orderly laws. So for him to say, God does not throw dice, it's like, okay, the man understands and believes that God has a plan, and he's set everything into order. All the planets the whole universe, our lives, everything has a purpose in it. And I was just impressed to read that. And all these things that we deal with every day, you know, the food, the finances, perhaps health issues, um, these are part of our lives, but it's part of our worldly life. We also have a spiritual life. The worldly life would like to pull us away from our spiritual life. Um, God has created us in his image. So we all have uh, the ability within us to decide and choose or enter into things that will either be beneficial to us or not, that will minister to us or not, that will hurt us or not. And we have the ability to either accept or reject what is coming at us every day. And, you know, that essentially boiled down is, are we choosing life or are we choosing death in the spiritual sense? Are we choosing to walk with God like Noah did? That's what we just read or not. Are we experiencing perhaps some consequences as a result of not keeping a close um, list, a short list per se with God. Um, so Paul speaks about freedom from sin in Romans 8, and maybe you can turn there with me. Romans 8, verse 1. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So a takeaway here is, Noah, we read into how he's living his life. Apparently he's focused on, more than everyone else in that generation on God. Apparently he's not pleasing his flesh because God said he, pleased, he was pleased with Noah. So Noah is kind of an example of how uh, when we keep in close step with the Lord and we look to obey the Lord, um, there are good benefits in that. Okay, so there were a couple summary points I wanted to share. So, number one, God prepared a way for Jesus Messiah to be born and then crucified in the future to save mankind for eternity. And that's essentially what happened with Noah. God saved Noah and saved mankind, saved animal kind to preserve a, um, a let's say, a, a medium so that God could could bring Jesus forth in future generations because that was his plan right from the beginning. And um, if you take a look at the ark as a picture of a covering, um, God gave Noah and his family and the animals a safe place and he rescued Noah from the flood, but he rescued Noah also from death that was already present on the earth. Um, the word says that the Lord saw that man was corrupt and that there was violence in the earth. And so God, in his love and his grace, He chose Noah and he saved Noah and his family out of that. The second point is God extended an invitation to Noah. He reached out to Noah to lift God, or I'm sorry, to lift Noah out of the coming circumstances. And in so doing, we see that because Noah had a relationship, Noah reacted to God's invitation in a positive way and made a positive choice. He could have been disobedient and not built the ark, but instead, as long as it took him to build the ark and as hard and challenging that was, he remained obedient, he stayed the course, and he built it. And in essence, therefore, he chose life instead of death. <clears throat> excuse me so um genesis states that noah walked with god and uh we should um glean from that that as a result with because of that close relationship noah was able to make the beneficial choice the good choice and in romans 8 which we just read today We as believers, we have the um, opportunity to walk in the spirit. And through the spirit uh, comes the help and the wisdom we need to make the beneficial choices. So even though um, Noah was walking with God and was able to talk with God directly, it doesn't mean that we're not heard. It's just that God gives us a different way. He gives us the spirit and he gives us the faith in Jesus. So we see through this picture of Noah that um, there are results of choices and consequences. There's obedience and disobedience. There's blessings and cursings. So if you want to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30, we'll look at um, verse 15. Okay, so in Deuteronomy 30, um, this is uh, referring to the Israelites and Moses. Um, This is a retelling basically of their wanderings and um, their challenges. So in Deuteronomy 30, verse 15, see, I have set before you today life and good death, and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. What we see is um, Noah kind of following that model. He chose life, and as a result, he was blessed. Uh, if you go a little bit more forward into 1 Samuel, also chapter 15 gives a picture of like making choices and having the consequences of those choices and again um you know we serve a sovereign god and for those that believe that god is overall and created everything humans animals the earth the universe he still possesses the right to do with us and with the universe and everything that he's made, whatever he wants to do. So, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, this is Samuel talking to King Saul. So, Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. And what, I, what comes to mind here is what I was talking about earlier. All the media, the TV, all the commercials, it's that pull. And this, in this instance, Saul was more in tune with what the people wanted and perhaps he was uh, trying to please the people more than trying to please god in this instance now therefore please pardon my sin and return with me that i may worship the lord but there's that word again samuel said to saul i will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the lord and the lord has rejected you from being king over israel this is as if it's a picture of sin. God cannot look upon sin. We have Jesus, and as believers who believe Jesus paid our price and all of our sin debt is laid at the cross and is covered by Jesus' blood, God looks on us as pure, and he looks on us as um, exactly fulfilling the purposes that he's laid out for us. and here we see that Saul is starting to suffer consequences for his choices. And so in verse 27, And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe, and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And if you've read this, that neighbor winds up being David. David becomes king afterwards. Um, so the third point I wanted to, uh, kind of highlight here is fortunately for us, Noah accepted God's invitation and I'm smiling because he like proved himself faithful. And throughout the Bible, we see, um, men and women, brothers and sisters, who proved themselves to be faithful. And at this time, Noah was the right man for the job that God had. And let's not kid ourselves. God knew exactly how Noah would react anyway. And it wasn't like if Noah didn't do this, God wouldn't have brought Jesus to us anyways. There, there was a plan. There still is a plan. And um, in chapter 6, which we read uh, parts of earlier, we see what Noah's character was in the eyes of God. Because it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And so if you would go to Hebrews 11 quick, a lot of us know this as, I think it's called the Hall of Faith. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. and verse 7, it says, By faith, Noah... Being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. This is just an awesome picture of how God accounts our faith as like utmost importance. I mean, we're sinful people, right? We're we're bent on that. But without um, God, without uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and without the hope that Jesus gives us, um, we're not going to walk rightly. And... uh, There are a couple other um, scriptures that I think um, can speak to the type of character um, that God is wanting to impart into us. And you don't have to go there. Um, Proverbs 3, and Pastor Rob actually talked about this this morning. And this is awesome because I already had this in the message. So, Proverbs 3, verse 1 My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you let not mercy and truth forsake you bind them around your neck write them on the tablet of your heart and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of god and man and see what we read before god is looking and he is checking us out and like pastor rob talked about this morning we're in a fishbowl As Christians, when we make a choice to follow Jesus, it's automatic, we have a bullseye now. (laughs) And people are either going to see that we're different. If we're truly being filled and walking, they will see that and they will see our growth and they will see um, how the Lord will separate us out of the worldly ways and set us apart or they won't if we're not walking. And so that's important. You know, to keep reading the word, keep seeking the Lord, ask for his help, ask for filling of the Holy Spirit. He will help us. And so, verse 5 here in Proverbs 3 Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And that's just a beautiful picture to help us understand what it is that God, uh, that God wants us to do and to be and how to walk. And then in Matthew 7, Jesus says uh, in verse 24, Matthew 7, verse 24, he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who has built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fail, for it was founded on the rock. And to me, that's a picture of the ark. Noah built it exactly how God described. He followed the instructions. He had faith in what he was doing and in what God was telling him, and he obeyed. But then in verse 26 it says but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall so in bringing the flood god initially gave a warning but he also gave a promise to Noah the flood was an event of epic proportions but by the same token God's promise was epic too he gave Noah the invitation to be saved <laughs> I mean I think each one of us here wants to live that's built in we do want to live but it's built in for us not only to live here to but to live through this life yeah. and to live for everlasting life in eternity with him um, so, also in Matthew seven, further down, verse nineteen, says, or I'm sorry, Psalm, Psalm three, I think it's Psalm three. Hope it's not Proverbs three. <laughs> um, sorry, let me check my notes here for a minute. It's Proverbs. Yes, I'm sorry. Okay, so it's Proverbs further down. Verse 19 of Proverbs 3. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. So if we compare that to Genesis 7, verse 11, I think there's um, a similar, it's almost identical. So verse 11 of chapter 7 here in Genesis says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So we can grab a lot of cross-references. Um, scripture does confirm itself and cross-references to itself. And in Second Peter, God, um, or Paul, uh, outlines God's promise um, to us um, that he's coming back and that he's long suffering and he doesn't want anybody to um, perish and I can read it quick for you Second Peter chapter 3 starting in verse 3 Beloved I now write to you the second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder and isn't that Paul, like, what do I want to say? Kind of being like the Holy Spirit. Like the Spirit will stir us. When you get a check in your heart or in your mind, you'll you'll know, like, okay, something's going to happen. I need to either make a decision or sit still. And we should heed, like, promptings uh, by the Spirit. A lot of times... Um, it is a still small voice, as scripture says. And sometimes it it may warn us um, of uh, situations that we need to pay attention to that otherwise we might have considered routine uh, in past um, times. Like, I probably shouldn't admit this, but I roll through stop signs sometimes. <laughs> yes, Jane. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, probably shouldn't do that. And I feel like the Holy Spirit does that. Like, he'll give us a momentary check and say, you know, you better reconsider what you're going to do. So let me... Let me finish here. I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days. And in essence, Noah was in a last days scenario. As we read, the Lord saw that man was corrupt and there was violence in the earth. So, scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this, they will willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the word then that existed, that then existed, perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but as long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." So that's God's grand plan, which is manifested in Jesus. And in that same chapter, in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Yes, and to me, that's a picture of Noah keeping focused, like his face like flint on God and God's plan. And in verse 14, continuing, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless, and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures you therefore beloved since you know this beforehand beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness being led being led away with the error of the wicked but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to him be the glory both now and forever amen (laughs) So in conclusion here, and we're gonna take communion in a little bit, um, I just can't imagine all the real challenges that Noah went through. I don't know if I could have been that man that stood steadfast with like absolute rock solid faith and just commending myself into God's hands 100%, totally committed, all in. But I think that's what God wants us to recognize, that we're not in our own strength worthy. It's all because of Jesus. And he's the one that, again, puts us in uh, good stead, um, locks in our future, and um, gives us all the benefits, all the good consequences per se. Um, that we don't deserve, but he's laid out for us. Um, So I guess the encouraging thing here is that no matter what, God is working things together for those who believe in him and who are called to his purpose. So um, as we take communion, let's consider that in taking it, we are acknowledging that we do believe that God suffered in Jesus on the cross and he took all of our sins upon himself and in so doing, in shedding his blood, he washed away our sin and he makes us white as snow and gives God the ability to continue to love on us. Um, I just find that encouraging and this is a lesson to me, to keep walking and to ask God to continue to strengthen my faith. And I pray that you all will do that too. So um, as Aubrey plays uh, the worship song, why don't you come up and grab the elements and come back to your seats. In John Jesus said no one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven that is the son of man who is in heaven and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So let's recognize Jesus. The symbol of the bread is his body broken for us. Let's partake. And this juice symbolizes his blood shed for us, which washes over us, blots out all of our sin, Let's take it in thanks to Jesus. And in John 14, Jesus says, "'Let not your heart be troubled. "'You believe in God, believe also in me. "'In my Father's house are many mansions. "'If it were not so, I would have told you. "'I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And Thomas asks the great question, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? (laughs) And that just cracks me up, because thank God, in a loving way, God Will answer whatever question we give him. And he never, like, scoffs or never goes, you know, rolls his eyes like we do with one another. He's just a beautiful father. And so Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in doing this and taking communion, we acknowledge that, Jesus, that we can't come to the Father but by you. We pray, Lord, that you will soften our hearts, continue to work on us, Lord, continue to show us more of you. Help us to continue to ask, to seek, and knock. Help us, Lord, to walk in your ways in fullness of life and joy not in the reality of here that people call reality, but in the reality of the eternal life that you have set before us, you're preparing for us. What a joy and what a hope. We praise you, you deserve all the honor and glory. Thank you Jesus for your sacrifice. Pray my brothers and sisters get home safely tonight and pray that you would give us a good week, keep us safe. Keep us close, Lord. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.